Radio. Welcome to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs like you build the wealth and lifestyle you deserve. My name is Nicholas Jensen, bringing you the secrets behind the relationships, strategies, and mindset of the most successful people on the planet. Showing you how to collapse time frames in order to win at business, money, and the adventures of life. You don't know what you don't know, so I'm here to show how the wealthy live, think, and make their money grow. It's time to live the life that you deserve. I'm, I'm here to help. My, my name is Nicholas Jensen. And, and this is Unlimited Wealth. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Unlimited Wealth Podcast. My name is Nicholas Jensen and I am here with Dan Nicholson. He is the host of the Rig the Game Podcast. He's a financial expert, a CPA, and a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the financial game. So we're going to discuss how to rig the game in your favor, how to uh, make sure that your finances are set up in a way that, uh, that you can move forward and get ahead in life and go from there. Thanks for, thanks for joining me, Dan. Yeah, really excited to be here. Maybe first off, why don't you give us a background of, of your story, your history, and, and we can kind of go from there. Yeah. yeah, so where I always like to start with that is if you can imagine kind of the cliche kid growing up scheming on business ideas and their parents trying to rein them in from doing something too uh, crazy. That was basically uh, me as a kid. And uh, then I went off to college and actually started off as a marketing major and quickly uh, realized what's going to be really the best degrees to set me up to be an entrepreneur. And so I shifted to, uh, to accounting. There's a surprising number of uh, CEOs of businesses who started out as, as accountants and, uh, and then later added in a degree in information systems, thinking the combination of technology and fundamental business knowledge would be kind of the best skill set to, to be an entrepreneur, run a business. And then I went in the exact opposite direction of being entrepreneurial and uh, got nominated for and did a fellowship at the uh, the board that writes all the accounting standards, which most people don't associate writing an accounting standard with being entrepreneurial, probably myself included. Um, but one of those opportunities that I didn't feel like I could pass up, I'm actually the first person in my family to go to college. And so the kind of opportunity to, to do something like that was never in my <laughs> on my radar, frankly. Um, mostly I was a painfully, painfully shy kid too growing up. So, uh, this whole idea of, uh, being in this like prominent, prominent role early in my career, um, like I said, wasn't, wasn't necessarily on my radar. So moved to, uh, I'm from Seattle and <clears throat> moved to the East coast where the board is and worked on a, a derivatives and hedge accounting standard, which again, most people don't associate with being particularly entrepreneurial. Yeah. So that put me on this weird path for a while of being this derivatives, treasury, capital markets expert, uh, moved back to Seattle, worked for one of the big global firms and doing derivative and hedge accounting stuff. And then I had a little bit of a quarter life crisis. Like, what is it that I'm, what am I doing? Um, always been one to kind of go like, I don't want to look back on my life and feel like it was some cliche story where I just punched the clock and waiting, waiting for retirement and, you know, on my deathbed with a lot of regrets. So it's always been somewhat of a default in my brain to kind of make sure that I'm living with some degree of purpose. So had a little bit of a quarter life crisis, moved around uh, career wise for a little bit, trying to process that, uh, work for a Warren Buffett back company, get ready to go public, uh, work for this guy, Steve Loudon, who's the CFO of Roku in uh, strategic finance. And then I spent some time in tax and long story long, finally realized, and now that will have been 10 years, hey, maybe I'm pretty good at this accounting finance thing. 
And I think I could scratch my own itch by starting a CPA firm uh, because at the time there were all these trends that indicated that just massive amount of CPAs retiring. So I started a firm, nth degree CPAs. We're just rated one of the 10 best run mid-sized firms in the U.S. Uh, and so kind of the first real real business was was uh, was growing a CPA firm in a, in a different way that was more focused on helping people build out a roadmap where accounting and tax and finance was actually getting them closer to their priorities, not just like cranking out tax returns. And so have a CPA firm and then have a few other uh, businesses that have kind of become offshoots of, of, uh, of that. That's, that's great. So let's talk about this idea of business owners. One of the things that I run into with, with a lot of my clients is they're super successful in the, in the sense that they have uh, great marketing, great sales. They either provide an awesome product or service, but finances tend to, other than just making sure that they're paying the bills on a day-to-day and a month-to-month basis, their finances oftentimes take a back seat, meaning that they're not planning or strategically planning and trying to figure out how to make sure that they're headed in the right direction. So let's talk about that a little bit it, from your perspective. What do you see the, the greatest downfall for successful business owners is when it comes to a, a finance perspective? So from my experience working with the startups to the, to the billionaires and everything in between, that everyone is actually trying to answer the same question, which is, am I going to be okay? Am I going to run out of money? And it's just maybe harder to relate to the to the billionaire, but yeah. there's this whole thing that exists called Parkinson's law. And initially, it was applied to time. This idea that as people uh, work expands to fill the time allotted. So if you give someone eight hours to do something, they spend eight hours. If they have two hours, they get it done in two hours miraculously. And so Parkinson's law applies the same to money, where as people's profits go up, they spend more, kind of in line with the increased profits or increased cash flow. And so that's how you could go from making 50 grand to a half a million to 2 million and feel just as as tight or broke because you've just added all these additional expenses. And so Parkinson's law is kind of this real real thing that exists for folks and continues to drive the question of am I going to be okay? And I heard this equation from this guy uh Chip Conley who was uh hoteler, is a hoteler and heavily involved in Airbnb. And he came up with this equation that said anxiety equals uncertainty times powerlessness. Uh-huh. And it just struck me because for the last several years, I've been, I've been uh, hanging on this notion of financial certainty. Uh, and so that became somewhat the solution of, okay, I could take that equation and go financial anxiety equals financial uncertainty times financial powerlessness. Okay, that just feel that just immediately was like this feels so true, right. and then what business owners are lacking is a consistent methodology where they can drive down uncertainty or increase increase certainty set another way, while simultaneously increasing the power that they have over their finances. So, drive down uncertainty, drive up the power you have over your finances. They lack a consistent methodology for doing that. And what I mean by that, maybe to be more explicit, is that when I think about business, what I want to do in my businesses and what I want my clients to do is increase cash flow while reducing risk. And what I often see happen is that they're increasing risk at a rate faster than they're increasing cash flow. 
And so they might be, uh, all of a sudden I had one person who, uh, or one client who hit 30 million in sales and they're like, this is the best year I've ever had. I want to take out this big distribution. I'm like, Hey, time out. You're actually in the worst financial position you've ever been in because you took on so much additional risk to get to 30 million that you have to systematically, uh, reduce that risk before you can take out any cash. And we're seeing that right now. I mean, we're record where we're, we're recording this podcast right in the like throes of the coronavirus and businesses crumbling, some of which are, you know, restaurants and things that are inevitable, but given closures yeah. and such, but a lot of folks just took on so much risk to grow that any 20% temporary downturn is, is fatal, to, fatal to their business. So long story long, having a consistent methodology where we're driving down uncertainty, increasing power, and every time we change our approach method, really what we're doing is introducing new risks to our business because we're pro- we can't we can't compare the past to the the current to the past because we've just changed the way that we're making decisions. Yeah, I'm, I've always lived by the philosophy is you always hear cash is king, which isn't true. It's cash flow is king because if you've got a pile of cash, you're okay for a little bit, but if the cash flow stops and you're not able to replenish that. You, you've got problems, right? And then on top of that is the number one thing that you want to do with your, with your money is you want to have as much control over it as possible. Oftentimes, people will relinquish that control to other, other individuals or quote-unquote experts. But really, as a business owner, you want, to, you want to leverage experts to help you. But man, you want to maintain as much control as possible. So as you talk about this financial uncertainty, creating more financial certainty is having as much control of your capital as possible. And then I love the idea of reducing risk because on my end of finances, I see people from an investment standpoint taking on risk. They don't even understand they're taking on and they take on too much of it, which is absolutely unnecessary. So it's this dichotomy between risk and control, right? You want to most people are like, I'm going to increase my risk and decrease my control to try to get these leveraged gains, which in reality, from a long-term wealth building standpoint, you actually need to increase your control and decrease your risk to win long-term. So let's talk about some 100%. of those strategies. We're totally, aligned. We're totally aligned in that perspective. I guess just to plus what you just said, because I feel like it was so spot on, is that 40% of business owners say the thing that they hate the most about running a business is tax accounting finance. And the problem, and so then they avoid it and they relinquish control, like you said. Uh, and maybe there's various cognitive distortions that lead them to doing that. Right. Rationalization or overgeneralization or all or nothing thinking or all those sort of things that justify that action of relinquishing control. And what I say to folks is, look, Finance is about managing money. Accounting is about reporting what happened. Both are an output of strategy, in my opinion. So when you outsource, and I don't think you should ever outsource strategy of your business or your personal finances entirely. And so this whole notion of like avoiding finance accounting to me is inherently flawed because what you're doing is you're outsourcing really fundamental strategy of your, of your business. And that's where the, the huge disconnect, I think, is in a lot of the decisions that folks are making. On that well, side. yeah, and you bring up a, a good point. What I always tell people is, let's be clear. It, well, in, from my perspective, and you may have a different perspective because you're a CPA, but 
our current accounting system does not make it necessarily easy for a business owner to understand cash flow or to really have a good control over cash flow because they get balance sheets, they get profit and loss statements. But as you just uh, alluded to, that's reporting. That's not forward thinking. That's not strategy. Whereas finance is strategy and forward thinking trend and trying to determine what you want to make happen. And then accounting is reporting what actually happened. But I do, I agree with you hundred percent. You, you should never outsource strategy as a business owner. You need to be kind of the, the tip of that spear. You can leverage other experts and individuals to help you with that strategy, but man, you've got to understand what your strategy is and how you're going to, to move the needle and, and move that forward. So from, from your perspective, let's talk about like, what are some of the strategies that you see business owners implementing that are effective or kind of what you see happening that's really working versus maybe some of those individuals that, uh, that are struggling? Yeah, I, first and foremost, call a spade a spade. So what I see it, or often hear from new clients is a lot of these like, well, I know I should have a budget. I should have key performance indicators. I should have all these things. And you go like, okay, well, why, why don't you? Like, because you're an achiever. Like you set objectives and goals in your business and you achieve them. And so you're telling me you think you should have all these things. Why do you not actually have them? Because it doesn't align with your personality in general when you set an intention, like you achieve it most of the time. And what I end up finding when we really, really unpack it is that they don't actually see, and I'm talking in generalities of small to medium-sized companies, they don't actually see the value in having budgets and forecasts and these KPIs because the way they're really managing their business is by looking at their bank account and some back of the napkin that gets them 80% of the way there. And so what I found is you can go ahead and build out these budgets and everything for them. They're still not going to use them. And so we have to design systems that actually align with the way that they're going to think and process issues. So if you're going to use bank accounts as your primary way of assessing the health of your business, then uh, there's something called the mental accounting bias. And this was part of some actual neuroscience studies that say that we, we as humans, the way that we compartmentalize things, when we just look at our bank account, we violate some basic economic principles. And so if you're going to use bank accounts as your decision-making, like that's okay if you actually set up your business, your accounts in a way that allow you to make the right decision. And what I mean by that is, setting up an account for a reserve account for salaries, setting up a reserve account for operating expenses, setting up a reserve account for uh, investments and creating actual rules for that to say, you know, I'm going to put, for example, four months worth of average salary into a reserve. I'm going to put in three months of average operating expenses into a reserve account. I'm going to put in uh, X percent of profits into an investment account that I can just use for new initiatives. And you can create some other accounts based off risk uh, characteristics. But the point of that is that by prescribing those rules, then you can have a, they become an indicator of, okay, I should have 200 grand in my salary account. I, I don't. That means I can't afford to hire people right now. Or I've got, I do have 200 grand in my account. Based off my rules, that's how much I should have. I want to hire somebody else. 
how long would it take me to increase the reserve based off this additional salary? What's the trade-off of putting money into this reserve based on my rules versus taking that money and investing it elsewhere? And so my whole notion of rigging the game is rather than trying to get you to do stuff that you don't frankly want to do and that you don't really believe in, how do we create structures that actually align with the way that you're thinking and a way that gets you to the answer faster? So creating these reserve accounts, if really you're looking at online banking, let's use that as a way to give you the, answer, the answers that you need. That's great. And, and I know you, you said you have a book coming out. Is it called Rigging the Games? I'm still kicking around the title. It may be called Wealth Without Compromise, but I'm still kind of kicking around the exact, exact title. What can people find in that book? When's it being released? In a, a month or so? Yeah, it should be out in early May. Okay. Early okay. May. So talk to us a little bit about your book and, and how people can get a hold of it and things like that. Yeah, so the the book sort of spells out my my methodology for rigging the financial game to win. And it starts with getting an understanding of your current position, your current financial position, and then mapping out your priorities in a systematic way in terms of what are the things you want to fund, when, how much does it cost to fund these things, and some ways of which to kind of actually get clarity on those priorities. I'm not just talking about retirement or buying a house. Oftentimes what I find is the first priority for clients is they just need 10 more hours of white space per week. And there's a cost to achieving that. There's a We can put a dollar value to some extent on having 10 more hours worth of, of time. So getting really clear on your priorities. And what I know is that you can do a lot of the mindfulness exercises and there's a lot, a lot of books out there about how to do goal setting and getting clear on your priorities. But what I found is that until someone actually votes with their money, they don't really have clarity on their priorities. I've seen this. And so the real, like, for lack of better descriptor, come to Jesus on somebody's priorities is when they have to vote with their money. And so I just to give you an example. I had somebody who they, we had several meetings. They're like, my number one priority is that I want to pay off a farm, this farm that I own. I want this, my number one priority. And so we go through the whole exercise, like sequence, all their priorities, what's the cost. And then we move into our optimization phase, which is how do we find uh, more cash either through tax planning or through something I call cash flow engineering. How do we find more cash to fund those priorities faster? And then we have some principles for decision-making. And this is how we kind of get more power over our finances by consistently executing using the same models for decision-making. And so I always go back to first we optimize, then we maximize. Maximize is have the most today. Optimize is what's the most efficient path forward. Big Fortune 500 companies, they can maximize. They're required to maximize shareholder value. They have the resources to do that, staff, time, et cetera. A small business owner, an individual doesn't have the resources to maximize. They have to optimize. So if we're optimizing, long story long, we need to focus on number one priority first, then we move to the second priority, so on and so forth. And so we go, okay, here's how much additional cash we found through our process. Now we're going to optimize. We're going to pay off the farm. We found the money to do that, right? That's the number one priority. Actually, you know what? Now that I'm about to execute on this, I want to move to California. That's actually my number one priority. And so we went through the, and this is like a 30 day, 45 day process that we went through with this person, you know, working pretty closely 
having some dialogue and then we get down to like, okay, we can pay off the farm. Nope. I want to move to California. And so until you vote with your vote with your money, that's the real clarity moment for folks uh, taking that action. And so anyhow, the book basically goes through this process of figuring out our uh, positioning, understanding our priorities, and then some methodologies for increasing certainty, which is kind of uh, some cash flow engineering and some other thing. And then getting more power is a combination of principles for decision making, uh, the way to set up business, the way to set up bank accounts for process uh, for decision making, and then something I call financial readiness, which is really understanding the rhythm of your business and finances. That's great stuff. It's interesting. A lot of the things that you've said here, when, when I think about building wealth and, and some of the things that I talk to, uh, you know, clients about and, and associates about is it's this whole idea of one, putting a strategy together and then two, executing on that strategy. And so we know that wealth isn't just money. Money is a huge component of wealth, right? But, but wealth is relationships, Wealth is finance, wealth is fitness, wealth is, is your business. And across each of those pillars and so, you know, some of the things that you've talked about today is each of those pillars, if you can come up with a strategy, forward thinking, and execute on it consistently over time, that's really what gets you the results, right? And, and finances are no different. I would encourage you know, the listeners, if they don't have a strategy in place from their finances, from a financial perspective, both forward thinking and reporting to absolutely, you know, get that under control. They can either obviously purchase your book when it comes out. How can people get a hold of you if they wanted to connect with you or, or work with you or things like that? Yeah, probably the best way is to uh, go to riggingthegame.com and uh, you can contact me there. And also you can, um, you'll be able to get purchase the book there and, uh, and listen to some of my podcast episodes as well. Perfect. Well, anything, uh, anything you'd like to leave with the listeners here, Dan? What I would uh, really want people to take away is that we have a tendency to try to solve problems and get to that optimization phase first, rather than doing the initial hard work of looking at where we're at currently and really getting clear on our priorities. Because otherwise, what's the point? Like, what are we really solving for? A strategy without an intended outcome is, to me, not really serving you well. Uh, so just be mindful of, are you out there trying to solve problems that aren't really the lead domino? They're not really going to get you closer to what you want. Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, Dan. This, I think this has been a great conversation uh, around finances and how to, how to get your priorities straight. Uh, we appreciate you joining us today. And for those of you listening, if you want to reach out to Dan, head over to riggingthegame.com. And you'll be able to find all the resources to connect with him, get his book, listen to his podcast from there. And we will see you next time. Thanks. If you want to learn more about me, you can visit my website at www.nicholascjensen.com or follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Nicholas Jensen underscore. That's at Nicholas Jensen underscore. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform because you do not want to miss out. We'll see you next time on Unlimited Wealth.